to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Well, hello everybody and welcome or welcome back to the That's right, because like unwanted termites. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we We're have starting there. <laughs> infe- an infection. Uh, no, this is what this of course this is a crossover, a bonus crossover podcast of the Youthscape podcast and the Limitless Leadership podcast. So I'm here, I'm Tim from the Limitless Leadership podcast, and we have the wonderful Martin Saunders. Hello, Martin Hello. Saunders. Hello. And Hello. the effervescent <laughs> Rachel Gardner. Can I just say, I, I thought this was going to be a crossover podcast. It's now a fight, Mr. Yeah. But is, uh, Gloves are off. Isn't the fight it, is on. I thought that's what crossover podcast meant. <laughs> meant. Yeah. It's like, it's like, could you? It's the thing, like you know, if Batman and Iron Man are in the same movie, and Wonder Woman, you know, it, yeah. it's never going to happen. But people dream of it. This is that moment. Like people have dreamed wow. of this moment. I think for many. Tim, just hang on. Who are you casting yourself as there? Batman or Iron Man? Because she's clearly Wonder Woman. She went. She claimed it. Yeah. Uh, I I think I um, I'm really not like either of them. <laughs> oh. I'm I'm more Steve Rogers to be honest. Like oh, a yeah. bit a bit a bit bland. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> hey. If you if this was a Newscape podcast, we don't allow that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. no. So we are now going to. I'm going to love the beards. Can I just say, listeners? Tim oh. has got the most voluptuous beard. Yeah. Voluptuous. It's very long. It's In fact, when, it, when you came on, I did think because you, you you've already you're already a man with a very long face. <laughs> and then and then what you've done is you already always, you've got this like you've got a few inches of like spikes at the top, and then yeah. your beard has always been well trimmed, and now you've gone more Marcos striker like white yeah. sage hey, beard, I love it. and your yeah. your head is literally about two and a half feet tall. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Well, that's what I'm going for. My new vibe is a long head. So you look, you look, <laughs> you look like a, you look like a Mister Men. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'm glad we did this. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad so, we did uh, this. So that was it for the Eastgate Limitless yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, this is this is beautiful. And uh, obviously, we are doing this over the beauty of Zoom. We're not actually in the same space, so Alas. we're still just looking at each other's faces. But can I just say, it's lovely looking at your faces, guys. Yeah, this is a always a pleasure. Thing. Never. At Do all. you think we can actually get ourselves into the same physical space at some point? I think we could. Couldn't I certainly hope so. Amazing. That I could be the reunion so. after the podcast. So come on then, Tim. What what is that? What's going to be happening today? I'm excited. I'm so what we? Say, I'm standing for this. I'm standing. No. <laughs> so what, what we thought we'd do in this very well prepared and thought yeah. through podcast um, is get together, Youthscape podcast, Limits Leadership podcast, and uh, have a little moment to reflect. Uh, on two crazy years, almost two crazy years in youth ministry, and look ahead, I guess, to uh, potentially a bit of a, a bit of a new season. Um, to use a cliche, but really, it does feel like that, doesn't it? And it does feel like there's fresh opportunity everywhere. So, what we're going to do here is we've each come up with a question to get the conversation going. We, n- none of us know what one another's questions are. 
so we're going in blind, um, but hopefully that will that will draw something good out. So uh, uh, my understanding is I'm going first. You go yes. first. So my it's question. Like Martin and I haven't got a question. I, yeah. I what, right? <laughs> I've got a question. I'm just I'm just saying Tim can go first. Thank you, Martin. Go on, Tim. Go on. Um, well, my profound and insightful question is. Uh, what comes first, jam or cream? <laughs> That's not actually my question, but I think we should answer it. Honest, honest, honest. Scone. First of all, it's yeah. scone, not scone. Yes. Let's yeah. let's clear that. Good. Yeah. We're all in agreement. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we're all in agreement. Okay. 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 So, what is it? What comes first? I'll, I'll let you have scone because the joke the joke works better. You know the whole "What's the fastest cake in the world?" Scone. Scone. Yeah. It doesn't work with scone. So, no. So fair enough. No. Did you say jam? No. Yes, or butter. Butter. Butter, what? then jam, what? then cream. Whoa, 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 yes, whoa, yes, whoa, yes. whoa, whoa. Yes. Two, two lots of dairy. I can't eating anything. Yeah, two lots of dairy. I don't, it's a little bit like um, when you guys put your makeup on in the morning. What I find is if I don't have the base primed, if I don't have the base primed, the, the blusher, the highlighter, everything else just doesn't work. And for me, unless the base of the scone is primed with butter, I don't care whether it's jam or, or cream next. The whole thing is going to fall down my face by the time I'm doing year 11 assembly at 1.30. So it has to be a good base of butter. Could you could you not just have a fresh scone with a nice moist bottom? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, oh, yes, whatever. Like tickle your fancy. <laughs> well, here here's my perspective on this, though, Rachel, because I I see I see the cream as the butter substitute. I know you do because you're not slimmer than me. <laughs> which which is why I put the cream then jam because the cream is there to re replace the butter. Oh, so, and also because I'm from Devon, uh, and authentically, as a Devonshire man, it's cream. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you, right? I, I, I think this is a new season of unity. I think the spirit is speaking loudly and clearly, <laughs> and it's time for Rachel to come to repentance. Because you're, you're absolutely right. Tim, I, I'm with you. The cream is the butter. <laughs> yeah, the cream exactly. goes first. The cream's the spread. The jam is the sweet topping. No, the cream, <laughs> cream is basically air, isn't it? It's basically air, so it, it it doesn't count. Also, I live in Blackburn. It's all about the Eccles cakes. So, what is okay. the scones and jam and cream? You're just outing yourselves as afternoon tea men. Fair and enough. up here, we're all about the coffee and the Eccles cakes. Fair enough. No cream, no jam, no butter. I just like before I ask my actual question though to make a comment on Martin's idea of unity, which is you should repent of what you think and agree with me. <laughs> yes, shout! Ah, super! It's a new season of unity, so that's you should repent, like to, Rachel, yeah. for disagreeing with that's Martin. That's how we like to roll in <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Absolutely brilliant! All right, I'm going to ask you my actual question now. Um, my actual question for you is this. Over these past two years, what is the most important thing that God has shown you over these last couple of years? So it might be like that it's like a really practical takeaway for you. Uh, it might be that something God did in your in your own life or, or, or revealed to you. It might be something that uh, a perspective that, shif that shifted for you on youth ministry. But of all of the lessons, of all of the takeaways, because I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like there's been loads. But yeah. of all of the takeaways and lessons from these last few years what has been the most important for you 
Can I jump in first? Is that well, you, you do love a takeaway, so why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> do you love a as long as there's a cucumber somewhere during the day. Um, so my, the thing that jumped into my mind, Tim, straight away, is the absolute beauty and glory and importance of the local church. Of, of I think for me, what's come out of this season is local young people local young people connecting with their local church and and I, I hadn't planned to say any of this so it doesn't come with a great amount of thought or, or judgment if anyone listening to this is going to a church a bit further away from where they live that's, it's, that's not the heart the heart is that as I look out on our community in Blackburn and think what is youth ministry going to look like not just in our church that we're planting here but across the diverse churches in Blackburn if all of us just really caught that vision for young people in a one-mile radius, if, if we made them our our treasure and we said, what does it look like for them to be like, plugged into the kingdom of God and, and, you know, leading this from the inside and we really look at what contextual mission looks like for them on this estate. And I just get quite excited about that because I think the pandemic has kind of probably shown us how much we don't connect locally. Me, I'm going to be the first in the queue of that. And, and how much is on our doorstep. And, and I think because youth ministry, we have such good networks nationally, regionally. We're used to being in big gathered spaces outside of our context with learning. That really matters. But I wonder if where I've dropped the ball is I've not then really ploughed into the local context and really understood what it would look like to do mission among these young people. Now, lots of people listening to this, you probably are doing that, so this is probably a lesson mm. for me. But I think if a local church put young people at the, at the kind of the missional heart of what they're about over the next five, ten years, even if at the moment that feels like an impossible thing, I think we could see the re-evangelization of the country. Come on now. Just with local church reaching local young people and, mm. and being vulnerable and getting to know them and putting them at the heart. So that's for me, I think. Wow. I love that. And it's so true, isn't it? Because, like, you know what, what Limitless does, what Youthscape does, only has any value because of what local churches yeah. do and yeah. what local youth workers do. Um and, you know, we can do big events or whatever, but the value of those things is the fact that young people come with their youth leaders who can carry on that, you know, that discipleship journey with their young people that when, when they go home. And so, yeah, I love yeah. that, Rachel, the, yeah. the importance of the local and the value in the local. And yeah, mm. so good. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to do what everybody does in this sort of question, and I'm going to try and have more than one answer. Because I, I, like, like you said, like, like you said there, there, there are so many things when you think back. But I've got sort of one main one, and then, um, and then I'm going to sneak in like a half one because it's a more personal thing. Um, so I think that the main thing for me really in my youth ministry practice has been um, recognising, like finally really recognising rather than just saying it, that our job is to uh, introduce young people to Jesus and get mm. young people into the presence of God, not to entertain them, put on a really you know, on. brilliant mm. kind of entertainment kind of experience that they'll want to you know come to and bring their friends and they'll choose instead of going to you know whatever other thing is going on in their mm. life. The, the, the moments where I've seen young people most deeply connect and most hungry to come back is when we've actually dropped the games 
and said, we're going to spend some time in quiet, just waiting on God. Come on now. We're going to, um, uh, we're going to read the Bible together and, and open it up and spend some proper decent time trying yeah. to listen to what the Spirit is saying through it. And uh, that has taken, I'm 43 years old, and I, it's just, yeah. I've been in youth ministry for 21 years, and the penny is finally dropping. Um, and so that's actually changed profoundly, the, the way I do youth work. And so I actually, you know, I went into, I, we sort of started groups back last week and I, I went into the first session just feeling differently, just rather than thinking, oh, guys, I've got to keep you engaged, don't, don't want to bore you. And actually, you know, where I ac- accidentally then drop in those little tells into my communication, into my talks, into my hosting, you know, oh, guys, this Bible bit's not going to be too long, don't worry, we'll be doing a game again in a minute. Yeah. All that stuff, is, I've dropped all that. And actually, there's much more confidence, and with that confidence comes a, an authority, I think, and and God's just really responded to that. So we've had already first couple of weeks back, we've just seen young people really respond to that and engage in a much deeper way, which is really exciting. The one I'm just going to sneak in quickly is, again, it's taken me 43 years to learn this, but um, youth ministry, uh, as we know, lives or dies on the strength of your own discipleship your own relationship with god and i've always had an all right relationship with god you know it's not it's not like i i've suddenly i've been faking it till i make it but um but in the last couple of years in lockdown the thing that's kept me sane is every day spending quite a serious amount of time reading and studying and journaling scripture and i've kept that going you know for the last year and a half and it has transformed my practice because I'm constantly excited about the That's new great. thing that I've learned in Scripture. Not That's the good. thing I had, yes. to, I had to read because yes, I've, got to, I've got, to do a bit of, got to do a bit of prayer yeah. or the thing I had to read because I'm doing a Bible in one year and I've got to, get, I've got to catch up. Yeah. This is a different thing. This is devoting time every day to the study of the Word. And 500 days into that or whatever, I would say my practice is completely different. So that was a lot of speaking, sorry. No, it was great. Martin, how, like, because I totally agree with you, and I, I, a couple of questions for me um, that I've been asking over this period is, one is, how distinctly Christian are our youth mm. ministries? Mm. Uh, and the other, which is kind of a similar question, but perhaps, like, even uh, more revealing is, could some of our youth mm. ministries look much as they do now if the Holy Spirit wasn't there mm-hmm. and we know that he is but could they and you know though those those have kind of kept me up at night and so I really want to know like what's been the practical implication of that for mm. you like actually in your session with that new priority how have your sessions yeah. changed and what kind of stuff have, have, have been going on for you yeah, I mean, we did something, but we were forced to do something, which was because we couldn't sing um, and, uh, you know, we couldn't sort of play games that we were touching each other. We were all wearing masks and we all had to be quite, you know, that that's sort of season back end of last year. Mm. Um, you know, we were forced to be a bit creative and look back at sort of more classic spiritual practices and sort of spiritual disciplines and so on and and engage with things like leading young people through meditation and spending time in silence. Um, and those things naturally lend themselves to waiting on the Holy Spirit. Now, mm. um, if you're doing stuff like that, you cannot fake the fact that you're a Christian youth group. And I think what I'm saying is like for... for years i've been trying to make my youth group so seeker friendly that actually i'd be constantly kind of yeah. um uh, i just kind of sweeten out anything that might 
be an offence to somebody, you know, who who walks in. You know, I was I was singing that song the other day uh, in church. Um, I raise a hallelujah in the presence presence of my enemies. And I was like, oh gosh, this isn't very seeker friendly, is it? You know, you have, someone walks in here and goes, oh, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Like, what are you talking about? I don't have enemies. You weirdos. But actually, you know, drawing on those powerful songs of the psalm, you know, the psalms are absolutely full of mentions of, like, protecting mm. my enemies and so on. And actually, that's true in a spiritual sense. It's yeah. true in a physical sense in the, in the here and now. So, so actually not being ashamed of that stuff and being quite prepared to... From the off, say we're a Christian youth uh, youth group. We we love Jesus. We believe He's Come the on. best thing for your life, and and so we're not going to be embarrassed about it. We're going to talk about that from the front. Like I've just found myself saying those things even in the introduction to an evening, and we've got loads of non-Christian kids there. Absolutely loads of them, mm. and not one has walked out yet. Like, no, I mean, no. only done two weeks. No. Done two weeks. But no one's walked out yet because they're like, oh, oh, great. So you care about it then? Yeah, but even and even if they do, I think the switch is we don't go running after saying, how can we make that a little bit more palatable? I think we, we want to be youth yeah. ministries that have really strong best practice and, and pastoral care while at the same time not putting a fence around what Jesus yeah. wants to do. When we, when we had our summer, I, I would totally resonate with that, Martin. We had our summer thing here and we had you know 40 young people, so large for us, but maybe not large for other people, um, young people doing loads of sports, crazy stuff. And then we said, come on Sunday, basically to our house. That's the vicarage. That's where our big garage is. And watch a little film of it and have a barbecue. And then we just said, at the heart of us is our love for Jesus. So we're going to go to the garage and we're going to worship, which means we're going to sing. You can come if you want to. And they all came. And it was one of those experiences where they had no idea about the song. So we had the team worshipping and lots of teenagers sat watching. That's an interesting dynamic. Mm. They're just watching. They're just watching us. So we were just thinking, what what does that mean then? It's that symbiotic. This is the kingdom of heaven. We are ambassadors of heaven. So that's what we're doing here. And it's not that we're not saying... Don't participate, young people, or we're making the bar so high that you have no idea. But we're not going to over-explain the lyrics. We're not going to over-explain stuff. We're just going to let you see what an embassy of heaven does, Come on. Come what on. we eat, how we hang out. So that, I think that I would resonate with you, Martin, like, mm. be less oh, afraid. I love, yeah. mm. I love this so much. You know, I, I, I just absolutely believe this in my gut, that when we as the church um, acquiesce to the culture in order to be accepted by the world, we sign our own death warrant. And the way that we reach this generation isn't by, uh, isn't by acquiescing to the culture and to try to, to, to be like the world. It's actually by creating a compelling counterculture and by calling people to embrace That's a radical al- alter- yeah. al- alternative. I really believe that. So it's great stuff. Well, look, my take. Well, it's well, it's actually, uh, Tim. Let me. Can I just add into that, Tim? It's actually, it's actually creating mainstream culture. So the kingdom of heaven. Paul talks about it's flipped on its head, but actually, we would say this is the culture that life is always supposed to be lived in. Yeah, yeah. Counterculture is what we see around us, but it's just presented as the main thing. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. Yeah, no, that's that's, yeah, that's so true. My takeaway, and and Martin, actually, I think uh, I, I may have alluded to this at the um, uh, Now What um, uh, online conference that, that, that Youthscape ran. Uh, but I think my key takeaway, and like you say, there's been many, um, is that attendance and discipleship is not the same thing. Mm. And I think that one of the things the pandemic really exposed 
is the fact that our models of youth ministry have been really, really great at gathering young people and creating community and creating spaces within which young people feel loved and valued and part of something, but not so great at making disciples. And I think that perhaps the fact that we gathered people created the illusion that we were making disciples. And I think we're really learning, actually, oh, okay, so just getting people in the room isn't necessarily in resulting in followers of Jesus. That's been a really key takeaway for me, and I feel like I've adjusted my practice a lot. You know, one of the key things that happened for me over the last couple of years was was the Holy Spirit asked me, who are you discipling? Um, which, of course, was the commission of Jesus. And when I began to look at how Jesus discipled people, mm. I realized that the answer was no one. And it was this really kind of shocking moment, like, hang on, I'm doing all this stuff for the Lord, but the one thing that you asked me to do, Jesus, wow. go and make disciples, I'm not really doing, at least not how you did it anyway. And so that that has really been a paradigm shift for me. Um, uh, yeah, so that's been my key takeaway, attendance and discipleship, not, not the same thing. Fantastic. Uh, right, who's next? Who's got the next question? I've got a question, Rachel, actually, Rachel, uh, in the interim, just to be the sandwich between your scone and jam mashups. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit left of centre. Okay. Um, and I feel like I'm treading on d- d- difficult water here. Oh. So you, I'm, I mean, you're, you're treading on water with my paint and red boots. Recently, I read again the prodigal son story. I love it. It's, it's like one of the core stories of youth ministry, isn't it? Um, the father running to the young to the young person. But it really hit me that the son doesn't come home because he is convicted of sin or has even a sense of oh my days. He comes home because he remembers his father he remembers that life he remembers how his dad does stuff and then as he approaches i think as the father comes and run puts his arms around him i think that's the moment when the son goes oh actually in this embrace i'm convinced of sin but what got him to the embrace of the father wasn't i would say was not repent well in the text i think it's not repentance it's memory so this is my question and it and it's just dropped into my head again so the young people we're working with here in blackburn Year eight, year seven, we're starting with year six, seven, eight, nine. I, I'm very conscious that they don't have a lot of memory of God. They don't, yeah. they don't have memory of stories. There's nothing that I would have 10 years ago would have bounced off. And, and their memories are full of abusive relationships, bad, bad dads, unfortunately, domestic violence, crime, poverty. And of course, they're made in the image of God, and God will be speaking to them, whether they are, you know, in a church service or in a Sunday school or whatever. But it just made me go, as a youth worker, I want to be in reception class, stuffing some memories in there, so that when I meet them when they're 13, I can be... So it was a question, really. So we're doing, we're trying to do intergenerational church here, and it's below, it's just messing with my head, because I'm a youth worker. And I, you know, so I just want to ask a question about, anybody else resonate with that? And if... If, if remembering something of, of who God is is what maybe draws many young people to go, oh, actually, there is that. I, do, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to bring that to you. Unformed question. But what that. is our relationship with children's ministry? And 
what would it look like that, that we as youth workers led the charge a bit around intergenerational and and saw yeah saw a bit more what yeah anyway so there's a question unformed thoughts go <laughs> oh, i love that i love that question rach because it was like it was like a mystery story we had no <laughs> idea as the as all that you said unfold there was no real clear signal no, as to what the question no, would be at the end no, there still isn't there still <laughs> then, isn't a clear signal it's just a discuss but, but discuss. Look, let me let me throw something in um <laughs> I, I so when so chris curtis and i at youthscape have been very stubborn about the fact that we won't do any children's work stuff so locally we've kind of said no we're not going to do anything in year six you know we, we, we start year seven we've always said as an organization we're a youth organization we were 11 to 18 that's our um boundary and i think i'm learning that that may have been a little bit too stubborn and a little too inflexible and in my local practice again you know the the best thing we've done has has been uh we've run a holiday club for fives to elevens uh, which my wife really ran i can't really take the credit for that um where we had hundreds of local kids coming through the church mm. and meeting us for the first time and then uh we've been running for the last few years a year five and six children's group in the style of the youth group that we run for year seven and eight on the same night uh, about an hour earlier and so two things have happened for that with that example uh, young people have learned what it looks like to to be part of our youth group community and started to hear slightly more serious kind of ideas about jesus and faith at an earlier age because we've done it in a youth group style, not a Sunday school mm, style. Mm. And they've also built connections with a whole, whole load of leaders. So when they hit that transition, that classic drop-off point drop at year off, seven, yeah, yeah. they don't drop off, they skip up to year seven. That's been yeah. great. But the other thing I'm learning is, you know, we've just had a whole influx of year sevens. And I'm like, wow, why have we got so many year sevens on our database? Why have we got so many of them along? And it's because we were running this holiday club for years and years and years, and they've met us already, they know about us. So, so I think to detach youth ministry from that, as I've so arrogantly done in the past, is, <laughs> is absolutely stupid because actually, you know, we can do so much investment in, in kids when they are young. It's exactly what you say. It's, it's those, when they are in that tender-hearted kind of much yeah, more... Their spirituality you know, is different. Yeah, yeah. formational mm. period in their lives. You know, mm. you can put so much good in there which you can then um, refer back to later on. So, so yes, I I am actually repenting of my stupidity, <laughs> and uh, and I run into the arms of children's ministry and hug it tight. <laughs> yeah, uh, I loved what you said, Rachel, like about intergenerational uh, mm. stuff. Uh, and actually, again, this is something I've spoken a little bit about over over the last year or so. Uh, I think we need to see a shift from mono-generational mm. to intergenerational. I actually think, I, I imagine that the future of youth ministry might look more like a family than a classroom, mm. by which I mean um, a intergenerational mix of adults who see themselves not so much as youth workers in the traditional sense, but as spiritual parents yeah. who will commit themselves to investing deeply in the lives of two or three children or young people and raising them in the way of Jesus like a family as opposed to you know a classroom setting which is lots and lots of young people and a couple of adult facilitators mm -hmm. now of course we all enjoy spending time with people in our own age group there's still yes, space there's still there's space, still for, that, space for, that, yeah. for that gathering i'm not i'm not yeah. saying i'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. No, no. that isn't what i'm saying but actually we're you know not a lot of people will be aware of this actually but um 
my wife and I and some friends are actually experimenting here locally with some intergenerational stuff. Oh, fun. And what we've been doing is um, in, in, a, in a gathered church setting is rather than kind of um, taking the ch- young children, I'm talking under 11s here, and like shifting them off to a room mm. where they go and do their thing what we've actually been doing is is um before we gather as adults we all do something together with the children mm. and try and like communicate this thing of like actually we're all spiritual parents and we all want to take responsibility not just for our own biological kids but for the children in our church yeah. family and help them to follow in the way of jesus so we've been doing something all together all, all the adults all the kids but for the kids and then we've been sharing communion together with all the adults and all the kids and then we've been eating together and then yeah. we've been doing a little stuff so and that's yeah, been that's it's amazing. been I, it hasn't been e- easy, but it's been no. really refreshing. And I've actually seen a real shift in my own son, particularly, in the way that he's able to describe, like, his, you know, journey of following Jesus as a, as a seven-year-old. Yeah. And I've heard it actually yeah. come out in the way he prays on the way to school, like how, yeah. he's, how he is um, internalizing some of this stuff in a way that he hasn't done Never before. before. And so I, I, I don't have... Yeah. To, to, to that question for sure, Rachel. But I do think, I do think there's a shift happening in that direction that yeah. we need to be. Aware. So that's that's great. So the, so the question you both brilliantly because your brains are awesome. So the question I had was, is the future intergenerational rather than monogenerational? And I love hearing what you guys are doing in your context. We're we're doing the same thing here. And what I'm finding really challenging about it is the teenagers that are coming to our gatherings are not the kids of any of the adults. Yeah. So so we are doing intergenerational with people that are not actually family, but we're saying to them, we are family. Yes. And they they are poles apart. I mean, they are these young people are from the state. Our adults are still mostly the adults that come with us who've got jobs, who don't live on an estate like that. And, and so it, it feels so countercultural, but it is, yeah, it's a culture that, that heaven made us for. But, it, but it's really interesting what that, so we're, we're doing something similar. We have our first 25 minutes, we don't call it service, we call it a gathering. It's very loud. It's we, the young people, the sort of teenagers that once they sit down, they don't move. So they sit down and then we work out where we're going to sit around them because they're, we're more comfortable than they are. And then after about 25 minutes of public worship, song worship, a bit of game, all kinds of stuff. Then we split into different spaces, but we call them venue one, venue two, venue three, and any ages can go into any space. Interesting. And, and it's really interesting to see who stays and has a TED Talk style preach and a bit of ministry, who goes to the cultural discussion, who goes to the last one. We had like loads of synthesizers out and just, lo- just writing worship. And it was just really interesting watching how they interact. And at the moment, the generations are doing stuff alongside each other, not yet together, together. But it, So it is quite a journey. But I feel like for these young people on this estate, they need to have... Lots of 50, 90, 70 year olds in their lives. Yeah, brilliant. So it's a, but it's a challenge because it's not doesn't feel natural. It doesn't no. feel like natural challenge. So we're not used to it. Uh, it's not familiar, no. is it? But, no. Anyway. Yeah, I yeah, I, I just I'm reminded of you know the Apostle Paul, one of my favourite scriptures at the moment. Just as a nursing mother cares for her yes, children, so we care for you yes. uh, because we loved yeah. you so much. We delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but also our lives as well. And just this sense of like 
that this this is this is what Jesus modeled for us, wasn't it? It was like intimate disciple making. It was spiritual parenting. It was raising a, a band of a few in the way of Jesus. And I, you know, that was Jesus' mechanism for reaching the world. That was how the gospel spread throughout that first century uh, so rapidly. And I think there has been a pruning in this season of lots of that peripheral stuff that we gave so much of our attention and time and energy and resource to. And I do think there's just an invitation to recover the simplicity of, of like disciple making and spiritual parenting in the way that Jesus modeled it for us. So, yeah. Brilliant. Rachel. Go on then, Martin. Um, well, I just, I also, I'm just, I want a clarification question with Rachel. You, okay. I understood most of the venues in your, in your setup, but you've got a room full of synthesizers. Well, yeah, so why? It's, uh, why? It's a clockwork uh, <laughs> rehearsal room. Well, we're very fortunate. <laughs> the pet shop boys are in there. Yeah, a big vicarage, and we have lots of people right. living with us at the moment. So it, it's a garage, it's one space, a lounge is another space, outside is another space, and then the dining room table. And we, one of the team, he loves... So he has this thing where you put rings on your fingers and you hold them against different colours and it plays the sound of the colour. So we had children teenagers adults wow. writing music going around the house with it it was just it was just hilarious so we yeah yeah so it, it, it just really feels... it really does sound like a craft work gig that's yeah. that is I said, clock, I said clockwork. I said clockwork. I was going to throw you under the bus. I was just—you <laughs> did it subtly, though. You subtly threw me under the bus. Oh, <laughs> no, I was trying to affirm you, brother. Craftwork. Uh, <laughs> oh. That's what I meant. Can we edit that bit out? No, it's no. fine. No, it's fine. No Go edits. on, then, Martin. Yes. In, it was in my rider. No edits. Yeah. <laughs> no edits. Right, Martin. Because on because on the Escape podcast, we basically all the best stuff gets cut. Can I just say that? I mean, not the best stuff. My favourite stuff gets cut because I always there's just there's always something that we we're like, oh, I've got away with that. I've slipped that in, and it's okay. And then uh, the producer, Amy, she finds it and she cuts it out. Can we can we have a B roll like uh, oh yeah uh, episode of the the Escape podcast just with all the like inappropriate yeah. controversial things <laughs> <that you've done. laughs> so much several it. several hours it's the right. next series come on martin headline question now so here's my question uh, it's, this is quite a tough question i hope you don't mind um because no. we're springing well, these on each other yes we but are. um but you you know we've all been in youth ministry for a long time Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and let's not say how old we are. Oh, I've already done it. But we've, we've all been in youth ministry for, for a lot, you know, longer than the average. Um, yeah. And so my question really for, for you guys, I'll answer as well, I guess, is um, is what's the, what's the closest you've come to stepping away from youth ministry? Oh, and good why, question. And why didn't you do it? So what's, what kept you in youth work? <sighs> What a great question. question. Oh, it feels like everyone now is like, turn this podcast up. (laughs) Listening in. I think think for me, maybe not the close, but the one that springs to mind is when we went into the first lockdown and then about week three of trying to get everybody online. And because I genuinely struggle with technology, it's a running joke, but I just felt like there was this monster just blocking me from 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 doing ministry in the way that maybe I'd not noticed, but I 
A, I love, I love being with young people. I find it very natural just chatting with young people on the street. I have no problem sitting on a park bench yeah, appropriately. And, and suddenly all of that was taken. And I think it was a pruning, like you were saying, Tim. It made me think, well, how much do I pray for these young people? Am I putting too much time? I'm making an idol of my presence with young people. But it did make me think, I cannot do it. If the new, if the future is like just being brilliant online, I am too old. And it was it's the first time in my life that I've actually felt really old. And I felt really old and, and, and ill-equipped to, mm. to reach generation. And it was a real dark time, but not very long, but a couple of months. I know some people listening will have had much longer than that, so I don't want to be flippant. But I just was like, God, you just need to move me on now to a, to, to a different space. Maybe this is just a wake-up call that I can't connect with a generation that that just engages the world so differently to me and then of course as stuff went on and we all began to discover actually young people weren't connecting online either and, yeah. and then we all went oh, <laughs> they, they should be but they're not and actually i was quite proud of them you know like oh so i but it wasn't really i remember talking to you martin i was just like, i can't i just can't do this this is just yeah. a world i cannot understand i've never ever felt that before ever it's interesting, isn't it, that at that point, actually, that I think maybe before the pandemic, I had this feeling like, you know, if we, as in we, the church, could just nail the online thing, man, we could reach this generation. And that is an illusion that has been well and truly shattered yeah, over this pandemic. Because, because we have kind of nailed the online thing youth workers and churches have been incredibly creative and innovative and done quality stuff online and like just young people weren't having any of it were they and so it, like when we went into this whole thing I kind of like arrogantly assumed that those of us in the kind of youth ministry tribe as you say Rachel yeah. would kind of sail through it I was thinking this yeah. this is going to be fine for us you know young people live online like what's another what's another what's another thing on, they'll be online anyway i could not have been more wrong because we did we did we did adapt and we had to and it was right that we did but it just it just wasn't the silver bullet that we thought it might have been at all was it so that's a really interesting thing yeah um i think mine uh martin was was probably it probably was, you know, during that first lockdown. And actually, you and I had a few conversations on the phone. Martin Saunders, every, everyone's pastor, by the looks of things. Yes, Sarah sounds was, like it. <laughs> um, daily on the phone to Martin. Yeah. <laughs> but do you remember that, Martin? We had a few I do. conversations, didn't the we? The thought that, that I'm pastoral, my wife would laugh her head off. Yeah, <laughs> yes. but I can do short bursts. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just think, do you know what it was? It was the combination of doing the homeschooling thing mm. the like in the early stages of that adaptation everything kind of going online making big changes to like both the stuff we were doing locally and the stuff we were doing nationally in a very short period of time not really knowing if any of it was working and because of the whole homeschooling thing i remember and i don't know if you resonate with this but i went through a period of time where i felt like i am not doing anything well Mm. I'm not being a good husband. I'm not being a good dad. I'm definitely not be being a good homeschool teacher. And I'm not being a good youth worker. And I'm not being mm. a good leader of Limitless because I felt like I was shortchanging everyone yeah. and everything. Mm. Yeah. So I think probably that was the closest I came. But, the, you know, the thing that keeps coming 
keeps bringing me uh, back, Martin, and the reason I haven't um, exited that journey of youth ministry just yet and don't intend to um, is because, and I, I say this all, all the time, I say this so often that it's almost become a catchphrase, <laughs> um, but I, I mean it from the very depths of my gut. And it like, what are we going to give our lives to that's more important than passing on the gospel to the next generation? Yeah. Like what? Like, and I've racked my brains, and 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 I've tried to think to myself: Do I just have a like youth ministry, children's ministry bias because I'm in it? But but seriously, like, what are we going to give our lives to? Yeah, it's more important than that. Uh, and so, like, you know, if I'm going to spend my days on anything, may, you know, may it be that I just did a little something to introduce a young person to Jesus or a group yes. of young people to Jesus. May it just be that I helped another leader to do that where they, where yes. they are. And so it just, whenever it feels hard, I just remember how valuable yes. it is. I just remember yes. how important it is. And that's the yeah. thing that keeps me coming back. Yes. Right. Well, when I was racking my brains for a question, I thought, you know what? I am. Um, I'm going to tell a story I've never told anywhere. Come on now, exclusive crossover podcast, exclusive. Crossover. <laughs> we could get a jingle made that does that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Rachel, I don't think you know this. What? I know. I know. We have secrets from each other. All um, right. I, We're picking this up later, Marcy. Yeah, so we'll talk you about know. Later. So <laughs> about uh, nine years ago, I got headhunted. So I had, I've had a few job offers, but but uh, nothing very impressive. But um, about nine years ago, I got headhunted by uh, an American megachurch that wanted to plant a congregation in London. Ooh. And they wanted... They name wanted, them! Name them! Name them! <laughs> I really... I can't. Um, one of the many non-disclosure agreements I signed <laughs> during that period. Um, no, 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 I'm not going to say it was, but um, uh, I, I was... I was off when I wasn't offered the job, but I was asked to consider sort of um, uh, going to the really serious level of like flying out to the US, meeting with the senior pastor, all that sort of thing. Um, and so I had a I had a meeting with him initially in uh, in London. It was really good, and then a couple of weeks after that, there was the um, uh, the Youth Work Summit, which you remember was a sort of one day event that. Um, different organizations, including Newscape, used to run. And at the end of the day, so I've been hosting that, and at the end of the day, these two Americans appear again, and they've flown back again to come and see me. I'm like, oh, heck, they're actually really serious about this. Like, they've just, you know, these guys don't fly economy either. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> come out twice to see me. And uh, and we sat down and had a conversation that, uh, in the next couple of days, and I did think it over. So I had a... I had 24 hours where I thought and prayed, do I, do, do I want to go for this? This is, in some terms, whatever, I was about 34, 35 years old. In human terms, it was a phenomenal career move. I would have been, I would have been pastor of a, without any theological training, I would have been pastor of a, of a church with a sort of global brand. Um, and I did think about it. And, uh, and then I realized I was being a total idiot. And this wasn't what I was called to at all. And it was. I'm not. I'm not saying it was a test. I don't. I don't think it works like that. But. Um, but I just suddenly had a real realization that this was. This wasn't my calling. This wasn't the calling on my life mm. at all. And around that time as well, I think I started to see a lot of people. For and everyone has their reasons, but a lot of great people exit youth ministry. And mm. and I suddenly realized, even at 35, like I was starting to become like 
I don't know when people first started calling me a youth ministry veteran, but it wasn't long after that. But, you know, I realized that all these brilliant people were leaving and, and the, there's, there's different, you know, the boom in vicar training had meant lots of people had gone, oh, maybe I'll become a vicar. Oh, maybe I'm called to be a vicar. Um, yeah. and, so, um, and so suddenly I was like, oh, hang on, you know, we're starting, we're starting to get what Chris, uh, Chris uh, Russell said at the, at the Now What uh, conference that you mentioned, uh, you know, if, if not us, then who? And, um, and, and I suddenly thought, oh, gosh, there's this kind of dwindling number of us. Like, it's not my calling to step out of this. Um, so I, I let the guys know, and they were not pleased that I'd allowed them to fly over twice <laughs> this conversation, and then and then didn't even want to be flown over, all expenses paid, to have a conversation with the senior pastor. But um, but I've never ever ever um, thought, gosh, that would have been a good move. Like I barely think about it, which is why I probably never shared yeah. it before. But but um, but it, yes, it was a yes. little test to the calling, I think. Wow. Yes. And you've never shared it. You've never remembered it because it didn't involve nudity. That's yeah. why. Well, you, that's why it's you, that's you, why you say that, you say that Rachel. I, I left that bit of the story out. <laughs> <laughs> oh! It's so interesting, isn't it? Whether, whether the, the space is a big dramatic decision that we then say, oh, actually, no, my yes is this, or whether it's just a gut feeling. I think... They're, they're, I'm quite jealous for those moments, aren't you? Like, yeah. it's not nice that we had that, Tim, is it? Like, kind of like that deep, oh, at the beginning of lockdown. Mm. But actually, if coming out of it, we say our big yes to Jesus is not dependent on, well, we're quite good at this, so that's why we'll keep saying yes. Yeah. But it is on a slightly reckless abandon of, Jesus, I know that unless you show up in this, it's just yeah. me whittering on. Yeah. And it, that is, it, I think we're a simpler, bolder, humbler youth ministry, aren't we? And, then, yeah. and Jesus can do something. Something super powerful with that. And the thing I think is so powerful about that story, Martin, is that um, we tend to ascribe greater value to the things that are more visible. Yeah. But actually, um, the things that are more visible are usually not more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And, and and richness of life is found in saying true to the assignment that God has yeah. for, for us, isn't it? And that's Absolutely. the choice you made. You made you made the choice to say no to the thing that was more visible and yes to God's unique assignment for your life. And that's where richness of life and fullness of life has been found for you. And I just hope that story really inspires some people listening who are maybe wondering how do I how do I pay for this and how do I raise a family and and do youth ministry and maybe I should become a vicar now or maybe I should be the the lead pastor and you know maybe God is asking of that of you but you know just because it's maybe considered outwardly like success or progression doesn't mean it is and because yeah like we said what what are, what are we going to give our lives to that's more important yeah. than passing yeah. the gospel to the next exactly. generation so that's right we we, we need have, those people who stay the course we don't do. we yeah i had an email this morning from a bishop a bishop up here in lancashire who just dropped me an email saying it's um, so exciting about the youth resourcing church you guys are involved with so exciting to hear what's happening across the diocese knowing what's happening that young people are hearing about jesus that's what keeps me awake at night and i and i think i think what's on us as the youth ministry tribe whether we work for an organization or a church or a volunteer is to seek out some of those other people that that are carrying this burden too because i think like you're saying tim 
there will be those of us that kind of can speak loud and proud about this and can have the title youth work volunteer or whatever it is but i think god's stirring in the hearts of lots of people across the nation coming out of lockdown youth ministry reaching emerging generations that has to be that's the fighting edge of the battle area and i think we need to be asking for God, keep doing the grassroots explosion that we can't contain, like young people doing it themselves and we just can't control it. Yes. Also put into position of very senior leadership, those women and men who can actually make some structural changes that in mm. 10 years' time, you know, youth workers are not hitting the same barriers that they're hitting now. So I think we want to pray for that double whammy. And if we in the middle somewhere the ones going it's here this is the fighting edge of the battle area it's here it's here you know i think that something exciting could happen yeah and it will because it's jesus's he loves young people more than we could ever imagine and um, but i do feel this is an incredibly hot time right now yes <laughs> I really do. totally I really do yeah. yeah it is well friends we're we're out yes. of time we're out of time i'm going so, to see year 11 i've got my hot chocolate already made up in a flask because that's prepared. how i roll i take a flask of hot chocolate into local high school why that's you're, why you're such a good youth worker right? <laughs> so, so how, do, how do we sign off the uh limitless leadership youthscape crossover podcast what's what's the sign off how does it work um keep dancing no that's, fine. <laughs> that's, that's a different show it's a different oh we just like well, i tend martin tends to kind of drop some kind of clangor that i then swoop in and do a no, beautiful menu no. yes menu. that's what happens that's let's end there well i tell you what let, let's do that because it's a good uh, i think it's a good ending and i always okay, love putting it on the spot so, so Tim, say something, you know, light and fluffy. I'll do the same. And then Rachel will do a sort of may you benediction prayer to the listener. Okay. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the Youthscape Limitless Leadership Podcast crossover. We love you. You're wonderful. Uh, and um, yeah, bye. My beard. Bye. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Follow us on all our social media channels. Uh, you'll find them on the internet. Rachel. <laughs> May you, like Nehemiah in the dark of night, go with your lamp. Check the walls where they're broken so that you know tomorrow where you're going to go and declare what God is about in rebuilding the walls. Guys, we love being with you. We love being involved in the game. Okay, is that all right? I didn't land it very well. It was Nehemiah. Pure fire. Pure fire. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.